Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Torno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we have in store today? Hey, Adam, we have got with us the second funniest man on staff, Bron Brown. Second funniest. I don't even know. I don't even have a category for that. That sounds like a Yogi Berra. John is referring to the time that someone on our staff said he was the funniest guy on staff and I was crushed. crushed. Who said that? I don't don't know. They're no longer on staff. We made sure we took care of that. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yes. So Braun now uh, is running, I think we've introduced him before, but runs point on our uh, ministry to uh, single adults. Uh, We've got a ministry called Gather and has just been around since the very, very beginning. Good friend uh, to both of us. And so this is another episode of our unscripted. Unscripted. So that means exactly that, is that we have come in here with no plan. A lot of times we come in with a plan. We have a general idea of where we're going to go. But I like we how you started said a lot of times. What's that? I like how you said a lot of a times. A lot of like times. <laughs> there are some times we just come in and we think we have a script and then it goes somewhere else. Yeah. But today we purposely don't have a script there, or at least we don't have a script we shared with each other. So here's the idea is that we're trying to replicate a lunch or an impromptu meeting that we have around the proverbial water cooler in the hallway where we're just talking about leadership, some idea, something that we've read, something that we've seen. And so we're going to just try to recreate that uh, spontaneity right here on the spot. So, so are we going to have appetizers or anything? No, none of that. None <laughs> it's of that. just so, all fictional. Yes. <laughs> it's all so the way this works is all of us are, have brought to the table one leadership thought. We haven't shared it with each other, except Ron kind of violated the rules. Because <laughs> John, did you know this? He sent me an email yesterday and said, Adam, here's three ideas I'm batting around. Oh. And I was like, Ron, I'm flying blind. You're not supposed to show these to Look, me. I am so mad at myself for doing it. It was a rookie mistake. I was a little nervous. Yes. I sent you some ideas. Okay. And you're probably going to take one of them. Uh, I I liked them. That would be rich. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We did this last time with Greg Crooks. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Jim Collins was the hero of that episode because all of us had some thoughts from him. So, uh, Bron, you're you're the esteemed guest. Oh, man. So we want you to go first. Present your idea. Present your thought. Maybe talk about how this idea has been impacting you, and then uh, vigorous discussion will ensue. Yeah, so uh, I don't know where I heard this, but I've, I've been thinking about this idea that leadership is a stewardship. I don't know if you've... Okay, heard. that was Greg's idea that he brought to Unscripted One. <laughs> oh, wait. You got it. It was you your can, podcast. Yes. I'm so. sorry. That's a bad idea. Let me, <laughs> you let me try something nice There's nothing new. <laughs> that's right. Everything's going to play dry. What's your idea? No, my idea is that uh, vulnerability is your friend with leading others. And I think it's a temptation for us in ministry to not be vulnerable about our struggles, not talk to people about the things that we are challenged with. And so I think it has some great um, things that come from this, some great results. You'll be able to encourage others to be honest by doing that. You'll let them see that living in the light is is good. You know, John three men love darkness. We're afraid our deeds will be exposed. It keeps you from hiding your struggles, which is a temptation in ministry because you want to put up, put up a front and you want people to think that you have it all together, which I think is a mistake. And then it draws people in. It can really bond a team. It can bond your family, any place you're leading when you open and you lead with, Hey, here's where the Lord is working on me or here's where I struggle. Yeah. There's something about that that draws people in. And I've watched it for years. That'd be a, a tool and it, it's been good for me and it's good for others. So let me ask you this, because it's something that actually has been a live conversation in my home over the past month is, is there a difference? Do you guys think there's a difference between authenticity and vulnerability? Because I think definitely in our culture here at Watermark, we talk about authenticity all the time. We want to be an authentic culture. 
that's one of the distinctives we think of our local church when we, um, it, it's a bad word, but to take like kind of compare our culture to other cultures is that we think, hey, this is one of our distinctives. We're authentic. Do you think there's a difference between authenticity and vulnerability? Yeah, in real time, I would say vulnerability is what authenticity looks like in action. Ah, I like that. Huh. So that's what you say that again. And what do you? And I don't know it. that I don't know that I could. Uh, let's see. So uh, <laughs> vulnerability is what authenticity looks like in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, not mm-hmm. having thought about that at all. So that uh, I think someone can be authentic, and one of the ways you would know that they are is because they are vulnerable with you. So that's yeah. what it looks like with wheels on. Uh, that's what authenticity. Um, how we would perceive and experience someone else's authenticity. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like it. Bron, would you add anything to that? No, I think that's good. I think authenticity would be you're you're talking about real stuff. I don't think we'd think someone was be authentic if they were, or maybe real struggles. They wouldn't, if they're talking about things that went well, you wouldn't go, oh man, you're so authentic. Being vulnerable about the things that you really struggle with or that you're challenged by yeah. is a combination of Do those you things. have, so if somebody comes up and goes, I've never heard the word vulnerability, how would you define it? Mm. And just being raw and honest about real stuff in your life. That's the way I would think about it. Yeah. A simple way to say Did it. Do you add anything to that? I'd give him Brene Brown's book and yeah. read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She obviously is kind of a, uh, an authority, if you will, on that subject right now has done a lot of writing on that, a lot of Ted talks that you can go. I think she has a Netflix special right now well, that I saw. It was kind of interesting to see that, but here's what gets me about vulnerability is it carries with it this idea that you are exposed to being hurt or rejected mm-hmm. that to be truly vulnerable, there is a risk that you could be rejected by somebody hurt by somebody, um, that's, that's what it means, this idea to be really vulnerable. And so you think about a little kid, you know, uh, a baby is as vulnerable as you become because that, that baby is oh. every day susceptible for being hurt or neglected. It is totally dependent on yeah. its parents to keep it alive. And, uh, and as leaders to think that we're putting ourselves out there and living our lives in such a way that we could be rejected by others, maybe even hurt, which for us, it's, obviously we live in the States. It's not physically being hurt, but, mm-hmm. uh, or not yet physically being hurt, but the emotional rejection or something like that, that could come from, yeah. from, uh, vulnerability. There was a pastor that came to CLC and he was talking about, Hey, it's really hard for me with my church and in front of my church to talk about things that I really struggle with. And I think there was this fear that if I really shared that, one, it would force them to feel like they need to share that, so they don't like that. Yep. And then secondly, that he might be putting his position in jeopardy. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fear of I'll lose my influence or they'll vote me out or some of the this, the ways that churches can respond to that, which is a sad thing. But and so I was really encouraging him. Hey, I think you do that anyway. You need to lead out so that they see that modeled and they want to... Uh, do the same because what we know yeah. is true that when you when you are vulnerable, it's usually the opposite that happens. Absolutely. I mean, okay, so Brian, I'm going to both agree with you and then sweep your legs uh, as well. So uh, I think uh, to lead in this, you know, this time, uh, mm-hmm. this cultural moment, uh, authenticity plays really well. I do think it's a proper response to the gospel. We've as Christians, we've said inherently we're not good enough. So like we've already said that. So then mm-hmm. to pretend otherwise is pretty incongruent. So, um, and then I think culturally what's going on is this, this high premium and desire for authenticity, um, that, that plays really well. So, uh, you know, as a, a pastor today in most, most 
context, uh, it will go well for him if he admits that he's, you know, messed up, not mm. perfect, struggles mm. in this area. People lean in and go, okay, you're believable now is where yeah. uh, maybe 50 years ago you were a failure. Uh, if you had messed up, now you're believable. Yeah. Go, okay. I, I can see myself in this guy. So here, here's the leg sweeper. Here's, here's maybe better said what I am concerned about is that we have now made uh, authenticity a kind of the thing. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're not, ch- we're not chasing. So in, into the, in the church context specifically, we're not chasing holiness, mm. uh, obedience. Mm-hmm. We're chasing authenticity. And that's the, like the greatest sin is to not be authentic yeah. uh, as opposed to not be obedient. And somehow uh, we've confused um, authenticity rather than seeing it as the the good means of holiness or obedience or Christ-likeness that it is, we've made it the end. Mm-hmm. And that's what we run around just tasing people saying, hey, you're not being honest. You're not being authentic rather than, mm-hmm. hey, what would it look like to honor and obey so Jesus? I think what you're saying so. is it, it's not just be it's be real, not necessarily be a growing, maturing disciple of Jesus. Is that is that what you're saying? Like, hey, as long as you're just honest about all your struggles, yeah. there's no expectation that right. you're getting better at any of them or right. you're growing and maturing through any of them. Right. Is that what you're saying? Right. And so so that's for if you are a pastor with your parishioners, right? You want to mm-hmm. call them not just to authenticity, although I think authenticity is a great means to uh, obedience. Uh, and then you as a leader, you want to both, you know, <laughs> talk about your failures and where you've messed up or where you're unsure and then grow yeah. and yeah. say, and that's good. You know, I did, I did, uh, I, I lost my cool here and here's what I'm learning. And actually here's a, here's an example where one of the, the same situation ran right across my uh, desk and I handled it like I was supposed totally to. Different. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. I, I was with my sons last night sitting out on the back patio talking about just areas of purity and how we want to grow there. And there is a temptation when you be honest and confess your sin. They kind of go, yeah, me too. We're all, we're all struggling. And I just had to make sure we had balance to that, mm-hmm. that, hey, there needs to be a plan in place of, man, I want to, I want to be at war with sin. I don't just want to so confession could be a way for others to go, Hey, me too. And let's all just stay in the same place. Instead, we need to go, okay, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And how are we going to move from being vulnerable and authentic and move to a better place? And what's our plan? How, how could God work in our lives? That's a great yeah. point, John. So practical tips uh, or ways that you try to be more vulnerable when you lead. What, what are some simple ways you're, you're trying to implement this? Yeah. I try to talk about things that are more current. Yeah. I love to talk about something that I've that was a long time ago that I struggled with. Yeah. That would be something, but I'll, I like to talk about, Hey, last night or yeah. two days ago. And it's helpful to say, and man, would you pray for me? And would you guys, I, I'm just seeing this pattern with me. And, and for me, many times it's around the way that I've, uh, my responses to people, my responses to my kids have been angry or escalating. That's one of my ditches. Yeah. And so just to talk about that in real time and not always, uh, talk about it when I've in a good place with it, but say, Hey, this is really where God's working on me. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. So I think one, uh, you're asking for practical tips. I think in like one-on-one leadership or small groups, uh, we're, we're trained a lot of times to, 
say, hey, what, what it would look like to lead well or to be others focused or to, to really connect with people is to listen to them, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions and uh, Adam and then Bron will ask you a bunch of questions and then you'll feel connected to me. And that, that's true. We'd rather hang out with people who are interested in us rather than themselves. But I think uh, by being honest, by being vulnerable, uh, people will feel connected uh, to us as leaders. Mm-hmm. And so you both, you, you want to make them, uh, you know, the hero. It's there you are, not here I am. Uh, but you also want to just you know, let your guard down. Here's, here's where I blew it. Here's what I'm not sure about. Here's, uh, you know, something that I'm still in process on and people will feel much more connected to you and want to, uh, you know, do significant things with you because they feel connected to you, not just respect you. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. I like that, Ron. So vulnerability is your friend as you lead others. Is that, is that how you said it? Well done. And I'm sure Jen Collins said all that in some book, right? <laughs> Just to bring him back of in <laughs> as the hero of, uh, of all this. All right, John, what you got? Um, all right. The provocative statement. Uh, great leaders are angry. Uh-oh. Here we go. See, it started with, I'm going to sweep your legs. And now <laughs> I just was we being just realized, vulnerable about my, my anger issues. And John's telling me it's good. All right. So great <laughs> leaders are angry. Unpack that, John. Yeah. So uh, we're, as a, as a team, um, we're reading, uh, it's, I guess it's a classic. It's definitely an older book, uh, Spiritual Leadership by uh, Sanders. Yep. And so have you have you read it? I have, um, before? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I, it might have been. How like, do you think I got on this podcast? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing new. So... Um, we're reading, you know, uh, reading the book and, um, we're kind of about in the middle just discussing it. We just take a few minutes before each, each meeting and, you know, thoughts, what have you learned, those kind of things. And so, uh, so one of the chapters, he just starts clicking through, um, things that characterize, you know, leaders. So humility and vision and conviction and just all the stuff you would expect. And then came anger. And it was like just the, um, the the frenetic activity in the room. It was like someone had thrown a rock at a bee's nest. You know, everybody <laughs> stood up and they they were they were taking different sides. And I was like, well, that, this is obviously something that we don't talk a lot about, and people have strong uh, strong opinions on. So, uh, so I've been thinking about it, and um, you know, obviously. So when I say uh, great leaders are angry, I don't mean. Uh, that they're mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, or just are yelling uh, all the yeah. time. They're they're angry about something, and something is not okay. We we um, often will use in our circles, you know, words like a holy discontent. Yeah, and so I'm not just discontent. I'm you know, there's a, a redemptive nature to my uh, discontent. I want something more. Um, but I think it's even more than that. I think um, you know, great leaders were angry. Uh, about something. Mm-hmm. And you think about people that have accomplished great things. Um, it wasn't just intellectually interesting uh, for them to go, you know, chase it down or do something about it. Um, it took um, it took some like holy anger mm-hmm. uh, to get up early, go to bed late and uh, rally others uh, with them. There was a quote uh, in, in the book. I brought it here. Um, he said that great leaders, people who turn the tide and change the direction of events, have been angry at injustice and abuse that dishonors God and enslaves the weak. Wilberforce, uh, William Wilberforce, uh, moved heaven and earth to emancipate slaves in England and eliminate the slave trade. And he was angry, exclamation point. Hmm. And so obviously it's a, it's a holy anger. Um, you know, Jesus and, and, and Mark three, when there's the man with a shriveled hand, you know, um, and Pharisees are trying to, you know, bring out rules of why that shouldn't, uh, why Jesus shouldn't heal. He just gets really angry yeah. uh, at that part of, part of, you know, what he was about here on earth was, uh, pointing out, uh, that which, you know, man had, uh, the ways man had corrupted, uh, some of his, um, some of his rules. And, so 
Um, I think back to early on in ministry. So first stint was a, you know, was a junior high youth pastor. And I would just watch kids who were just getting crushed. Mm. And, you know, moms and dads weren't doing a good job or they had fallen with the wrong crowd. I remember just kind of having a bit of an edge to me. And then in, uh, in marriage ministry, I remember just getting angry at divorce and angry at people who uh, weren't experiencing what God had, you know, had intended for marriage. And that, that kind of propelled me. And so here, here's my fear is that I get older and wiser. There's less things that I want to pick fights about you yeah. know, early on in ministry. I want to fight about everything, you know, the color of this table. And uh, there was clearly a right way uh, early on in parenting. You remember there was, uh, you were mad about everything, right? So you can't, you know, wear those clothes to bed. And then after your fourth kid, you're like, if you'll wear anything, yeah. I don't care if you wear anything, <laughs> yeah. but Juggle you know, knives, I don't care. I, you just yeah. go to bed. Right. Cause it, that's not, that's not a fight worth picking. Mm-hmm. And as, as we get older and, and wiser, I think there's less things that we want to fight about. Um, but I want to make sure that I don't give up on, um, fights and anger around things that, that matter. And I want to have that same edge, uh, to me. So right now, you know, um, still marriage, but, uh, the church and yeah. the ineffective or, mm. uh, church or the church that's, you know, not calling their people, uh, to believe and obey everything that God said, or their, uh, their sin in the camps or, you know, there's mm. lack of bold leadership, those kind of things. Like, uh, if, if that's just a, uh, an exercise that's intellectually interesting to me, um, that's going to have very different, it will look very different in 10 years uh, than I'm mad about this and yeah. I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to inspire others uh, to walk along with me. So that's it. Um, I like that. So yeah. Ron, what are some things that cause you, another way to think about this is what causes you to just pound the table and go, this should not be. Yeah, not and, on my watch. And we need to do something about mm-hmm. it. So Bron, if you think about your own life, what are some areas where you see yourself pounding the table a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I'm wrestling with that right now with single adults that, I feel like there are many single adults that are just stuck. They feel stuck and they see singleness as not a gift from the Lord. I think marriage is a, in the scripture is a gift and also singleness is, is a gift. And so I, I see that and I want to help them not feel like, Hey, the only way for me to find contentment in life is to be married. I, until that happens, I'm not whole, I'm not satisfied. And so I'm trying to understand that right now. And um, I pray the Lord will develop a really strong um, heart for that for me to, yeah. to help them. And I, but I, I am praying that Lord break my heart for what the issues that are going on with single adults and single parent families. And uh, I think it's a work in progress. Yeah. It just started with this, which fits fits with that buzzword of about passion. You know, because what we know of the life of Jesus and talking about the passion of the Christ being that that willingness to suffer. And mm-hmm. so, if you are yeah. angry about something, yeah. then you that is a holy passion to go. This is a fight worth fighting, and I know there's going to be people swinging back, mm-hmm. and and I'm willing to take mm-hmm. those punches and mm-hmm. suffer because this is worth it. So, Adam, I think the the question for a leader is: Are you angry about anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if not, you probably should be. Yeah. There's probably something that should uh, really tick you off and that you want to spend. And hopefully next- it's more than just like the quality of play of your favorite <laughs> baseball team, football team, <laughs> yeah. whatever yes. it I is. Mean, things of eternal value, right? Yeah. Not, you know, you got cut off in traffic or they took something off the menu at your your 
uh, favorite restaurant. And you're Which gonna is fire real off. for you, right? It's, that is real for you. That is real. Velvet Taco That's took not, your taco off. They, they took my taco off. I'm mm. still bitter. I've tweeted at him, but that was it. And I got over <laughs> it. Uh, I'm not going to give my life to getting He's the- so uh, angry right now. It was, but yeah, well, you, you, know, you, you mocked down. me. You never, you never had the oyster tacos. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so I did, actually did I tweet. something else angry. I think uh, the oyster you, you taco. You haven't had it. You haven't had it. Makes your you, stomach we, angry. We mock what we don't understand. Um, so- uh, yeah. Are you angry about something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously not at some person unless they're evil, um, but something. And if, if not, like you probably, I would add, just encourage you to walk and pray and, uh, you know, ask God what, what is not right um, mm-hmm. that's happening on your watch that he wants to use you and what are you not okay with? And um, yeah. and so don't wound people in the process, but yeah. I like how you just, uh, I think that was a helpful uh, distinguishment right there of I'm not angry at someone, but I'm angry at something. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can take that thing and personify it and go, you know, so I am angry at divorce. And now you can just personify divorce as this guy or this girl or whatever it is that you're like, now I'm mad at you and I'm coming after you and I want to see the Lord mm-hmm. uh, write this or something like that. So I think that's a helpful distinction as you're walking around, because probably as leaders, we can think of some people that we would love to <laughs> yeah. be angry at. And it's like, no, 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 that, that clearly you're crossing yeah. the line. I don't think that's going to glorify the Lord. That's not uh, in line with what Jesus would have us to do in Matthew five. So it's not being angry at people, but what's some, what's some injustice in the world that you're angry at? That's yeah, good. John, I think you've always been someone that will have something that keeps you up at night. Some cause something Todd, uh, is, Absolutely. has a extreme passion, of course, for what's going on with all things life and life initiative mm-hmm. and all that yeah, we're doing with example. that. But he's, there is a healthy anger there against what the injustice that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. All right, so vulnerability is your friend. Great leaders are angry. Those are two really good thoughts. And uh, hey, so here's impress us. All right, here's we go. <laughs> you say depress you? No, impress. No, impress you. Yeah. Still want a bronze three. Oh, God. Okay, us. here we go. You ready? Uh, my my leadership thought that I'm wrestling with is this: is that organizational culture is overrated. Organizational culture is overrated, and so uh, and and we have done a podcast on organizational culture, and we quote that we're going to take it down that, now. Uh, culture, eat strategy for breakfast and all of that. So, uh, and here's why, if I'm going to unpack that a little bit, here's some thoughts is that culture is always talked about at the organizational level, Mm. but it is experienced at the local level. Mm. And so what that means is that culture is really hyper local. It's not necessarily organizational. And a lot of these ideas coming from uh, Marcus Buckingham's new book, Nine Lies About Work. And uh, that one, that chapter on that, it was right there in the beginning when he said one of the lies is that we kind of believe that people care about the organization they work for and that we believe that culture is a thing. And here's here's where they're getting this this argument is that if organizational culture really is a thing, then you would be able to look at organizations, large ones, and everybody would then be having the exact same experience within the organization. Every team would have the same level of engagement if organizational culture was really a thing. But if you go and study organizations or look at organizations, people, you can think about the company you work for right now or the church that you're a part of or the church that you're leading. And you know this, there's some teams that are happy and some that are not, some that are doing well and some that are not. There's individuals that are engaged and there's certain individuals that are not engaged. And what that really means is it's not so much about the organizational culture. It's really more about the local culture of the team that that person is on. And so I think for us as leaders, it's a really, really, really helpful thought to remind ourselves that teams matter. Teams matter. That is where, uh, that's where you're, that's where uh, people experience culture is at the local level. And so it's all 
uh, it's all really hyper local. Wow. That was deep. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I would say, I I think I agree. Maybe not for the reasons that uh, I've not read the book, uh, Adam, but if you're saying there's sometimes there's a culture just because, uh, you have one doesn't mean people will, um, you know, fall in line with it, which I would say, duh. I mean, that's like, that's, that's in anything you're, yeah. you're, you're, uh, you talk about it being at, at a team level. It will happen there at the team level too. You have a culture that people will uh, violate or not uphold. And so that's always going to be the case, but because that's, because that's the reason, uh, because that happens, I don't know that that's the reason why, um, we have to think about it uh, primarily at the uh, local level. I would just say, uh, maybe for a different reason, that's generally where we learn. Um, uh, you know, my kids are Americans and they're learning, you know, how to be an American. Uh, from a lot of different places, but fundamentally in our home, in your home around yeah. our dinner table. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, um, I think that, um, that we, we pick up cultural norms um, primarily in, um, in small groups. But the, 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 the only thing I would uh, I just kind of wince at is, you know, a leader, I, I really do think a leader can set a culture. And uh, when you do it well, um, it works for you while yeah. you sleep, it's working yeah. and it's, uh, it's reinforcing the things that you want to be about and, you know, uh, stomping out the things that you don't want to see replicated. And so I, I do think a leader, whether he leads small teams, he leads large organizations filled with many teams ha- absolutely has a role. Um, and then some of those smaller teams can contextualize it. Brian, when you led, you know, student ministry, there was a way to, to, uh, contextualize, you know, kind of our culture for, uh, your team. And now, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a different ministry season. And I'm sure there's different ways to um, kind of contextualize those. But I still think we've got a pretty strong culture here um, that I would hate to somehow. Because I think you've got a lot of the team leaders that are agreeing with and nodding their head at what we say are the uh, the values of our organization that sets the culture. And they're nodding their heads and going, I'm going to implement that on my team. And so there are the, so you're right. The leader sets the vision. Here's the kind of culture we want, Mm -hmm. but the team leader is the executor to make sure that that culture is carried out on their individual team. Mm -hmm. So as leaders, I think what this does for us is that if you have a lot of different teams reporting to you through one person. So let's say you've got five people that report to you or just three people that report to you and they all have teams under them. You really need to make sure that the things that you're talking about in that individual conversation between you and the person who's reporting to you, that they are taking that back to their team and living out those ideals and living out those values to make sure that what the people are experiencing at the team level is what you're talking about at the organizational level. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So basically what you're saying then is it's going to change the leader's job. If he just thinks he stands up and gives uh, these really compelling speeches to the entire organization and that's then he has kind of created culture. He's mistaken. What he has to do is make sure that uh, the leaders uh, underneath him and around him uh, have bought in. Bought in and are implementing it. Yeah. And ca- all right, So here's a case in point. Every State of the Union address, to go back with your example of America, every State of the Union address, the president stands up there and talks about the culture of America, and we hear him talking about that, but is it being implemented at the local level of all the local governments and all the local families and all that kind of stuff? That's where you get, uh, there's so many different subcultures, you know, and so many different pockets of people are having different experiences for wildly different reasons. And we probably should get off of talking about politics or (laughs) the government with all this. So, uh, but sticking with our, with our team, you know, just thinking about our organizations that we're a part of right now, 
uh, you've got to make sure that what's being executed out there. So the, the, the stump speech is not enough. Yeah, that's, that's not going to, that's not going to be enough. You've okay. got to make sure this stuff is being implemented and it's always going to be implemented at the local level. So here's, what's encouraging for leaders is that what this means is that if you have a squeaky wheel, it does not necessarily mean you've got to go get a new car, right? So we always hear problems as leaders. And so if you hear one team complaining about something and they want to be like, that's our culture, it's just everything that's wrong with this organization, maybe, or maybe it's just what you're experiencing over here at the local yeah. level where you're experiencing culture. It may not be. There's five other teams that are doing just fine right now. And so it may just be something going on with your team dynamic that is causing you to feel like there's something wrong with the culture. And you just think because it's impacting your world that everybody in the organization yep. is experiencing it. And that may not be, that's really may good. not be true. That's really good. You know, Todd, Todd, I think is really good at that. You know, um, yeah, he doesn't expect just to announce something once and be done with it. You yep. know, he mm-hmm. constantly, you know, is having conversations about whatever the the organizational tweak is or the value that's slipping or whatever, uh, both at the, you know, the macro level and then also with individual teams, you yep. know, and if something, it doesn't even have to be uh, anything off, but if he wonders, he'll dip down and go, Hey, let's, let's talk about this. Yep. And so yeah. I, I do, I think that's right. As a leader, your work is just beginning once you've formulated your ideas and communicated them broadly. Now it's the roll up your sleeves and, um, you know, and work with each individual it's gotta, leader. It's and, gotta if happen. And, and if you wonder, and you're not sure you need to go inspect it. And yep. that's what a leader should and, do. And a piece of that is that head top leader, he is modeling that He's modeling what the core values are. And so he's showing how you should lead and it's easy to follow his example. I've seen that with, with Todd here specifically. I think when he says something, there's credibility. Cause I go, if he's talking about evangelism, he's out sharing his faith. I yeah. mean, if he's going, Hey, that needs to be a core piece of what we do as a church. We always got to keep that initiative white hot yeah. and he models it. And so it's easy to follow. And the same is true for us as leaders of our individual teams. You know, they, they can see through us if we're calling them to something that we're not willing totally. to do. I think it, it mm-hmm. reminds us of the value of the team leader mm-hmm. and how important it is to overall organizational health and culture, that it's not just about the great ideas and the stump speeches. It's about mm-hmm. what's happening yeah. at the local level. I think even the best practice of, so if you do have some people reporting to you and the people reporting to you have teams under them. I mean, once, twice, three times a year, dipping down below that person that reports to you to go really inspect what's going on at the team to make sure that what's being reported to you is what's actually happening. I think there's some best practices with all of that. And then when you do see teams that are really performing at a really high level is going in and, and if I could use an accounting term, auditing that to see what's going on. What are you as a team leader doing? And let's share those best practices. Yeah. Because the culture on your team seems to be amazing right now. So what is it about the way you're leading your team that is, uh, that is making that team really pop and you guys are at a, at a high level and just going, okay, what they're doing, they're living these ideals out. I can't assume everybody is. Mm -hmm. So let's share some best practices and really try to encourage the other team. And it comes back to their being vulnerable. Yep. And that's always <laughs> totally. Ron, how did you make this about you? How did it come back to you? <laughs> now I'm uh, angry. So yeah, Adam, I don't know where you want to go from here, but I'm just thinking about, you know, um, the leaders who are listening to this. I, I think it's a really good word. Um, when you articulate it, uh, for the first time, your work is just beginning. Uh, then you want to celebrate the ones who are doing it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because this thing does spread, you know, it replicates. Um, you, the great news is you'll have people who will come in new to the organization and whether the 
the point leaders ever had a conversation with them, they'll think and uh, and act in accordance with the culture, whether they've ever heard you talk about it or not, because yeah. it self replicates. But then conversely, uh, if something's off, um, that will you know replicate like a virus as well. So it's a leader's job if there's somewhere in you know in the organization um, that is something's just not right. You've got to get in there, and it doesn't matter how tenured that person is, uh, how loud, how noisy, how much clout they have in your, uh, you know, either in your church or with the, you know, the the, the major donors. And like you have to address that, and it's not because it's not just about that person; it's about everyone else that person will uh, infect, mm-hmm. and um, and so you have to pay attention. A lot of times, uh, Christians, you know, Christian leaders are just so nice and they love to run around and encourage people. And I think uh, leadership and I think love can be addressing um, at the local level, yep. um, at the team level, what's not right, not just giving another talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, a case in point this week, just talking to one of my uh, directors, just talking to them and, and saying, hey, I think one thing that happens with you at times is you're a critical thinker. You see the glass half full or half empty, I should say. And you are, you're looking at things and you can have a real first response that's very negative and a little bit sarcastic. And so he has said, man, that that is infiltrating my team. I've seen that in some of the staff that I'm leading. Yes. And I've had to say, hey, please forgive me for modeling that for you on the local level, because you're just model, you're just repeating what you've seen. Yes. And so I need to own that, that I have we can cause things to go south real quickly. And so that that's an example on the local level of how things can spin out. Yeah. Because that's not one of our what we would say one here at Watermark, one of our cultural values is uh, let's all be pessimistic or yeah. let's, let's view the world as the glass half empty. Yeah. We, uh, we want to have extreme optimism and positivity yeah. and thinking about not everything that's wrong with the world. Cause that list is long, but what could be yeah, and, and still uh, being and, critical thinkers yeah, and, yeah, and not and ignoring trying to do things better. Yeah. yeah. It's really, uh, so that's been really helpful for me just to, just to remember as a, as somebody in middle management that, uh, you know, so to speak that I am still, I still have a wildly important job in creating organizational culture and it's at the local level. And so the way I lead my team matters. It really does matter because, uh, that's where everybody on my team is experiencing the culture that is watermark and what we want to try to create here. And so, uh, so the same for any leader driving around right now, if you've got uh, a bunch of people reporting to you and you're the senior pastor, as, as John said, articulation of the culture is one step. You've got to, you've got to make sure that people are executing on that. And then those that are in middle management, uh, so to speak, and are, are still leading their teams, your job matters. You're, you're helping to set the culture because yeah. that's where everybody, everybody lives it out. Love it. Anything else guys? That was a great conversation. Braun, thanks good. for jumping in. Thank you for letting me. And uh, so if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you would like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We read every single one of your emails, don't we, John? Yes. All absolutely. of them. And we respond to all of them individually. We, we can we be did. reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.